Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Sam and worship team. This morning is... Uh, we look into God's Word. I want us to look into um, a book of the Bible that uh, is probably one of the most neglected and least understood books in the Bible. But uh, as you begin to discover <clears throat> what it really contains and how it speaks to us in, at times in life where we really need to hear from God <clears throat> in a certain kind of way, I guess I want to call this... Uh, <clears throat> the wisdom that comes from disappointment. And right away, as we think about our lives and how many times uh, we've tried something, something that we thought was important or something that <clears throat> we really had hopes for and find ourselves being disappointed. How many of you have been disappointed in this world at least a few times? <laughs> huh? Well, <laughs> you know... <laughs> The hope is that somehow through those disappointments in life, we come to realize a deeper need for God. And never do we come away from a disappointing experience that if we only begin to begin to look up and to see what God has to say about this life and about our circumstances and about his purpose for our living, there comes a, a deepening and a strengthening of our faith, which is very important. Have you found that uh, the older that we get, the more we realize that this world is an empty promise? Only God and what he has promised is worthy of our trust and our confidence. Turn with me this morning to a little book in the Old Testament right after the book of Proverbs that we read so often, but it's the book of Ecclesiastes. And it's thought by most believers who have studied this that it was written by King Solomon. And it's interesting that King Solomon, as he... As he put into words uh, his lessons of life, and we see in Proverbs that uh, he really was a uh, uh, he really was an authority on wisdom. And as we see in the uh, Song of Solomon, that he really was an authority on love. And here in the book of Ecclesiastes, we see the other side of wisdom, which is the foolishness of life that we may try to live without understanding God's greater purpose for all that is. And so we see in these words an important lesson. Let me tell you, I discovered the book of Ecclesiastes at a time of real need in my life where I was, I was intellectually bankrupt <laughs> and uh, spiritually barren. I was a college student. And I had grown up in a Christian home and knew the Lord and really uh, uh, appreciated my faith. But then when I found myself in a setting where there were all kinds of uh, secular and atheistic ideas and all kinds of pressures in my life really pushing me away from my faith. And I'm saying, what is this all about? What is the meaning? And I was feeling the frustration and emptiness 
of my own life, my own lack of direction. And uh, I had a teacher who encouraged me to just spend some time with the book of Ecclesiastes. And, you know, I kind of didn't like it when I first started reading it because it says everything is futile and meaningless. And I thought, you know, how do you start a Bible study with those words? And then you realize that it catches us at the place where we really begin to realize the emptiness and disappointment of life and we begin to look up. At that time uh, in my life, I was uh, reading uh, a, this uh, British philosopher by the name of C.P. Snow. And I'll never forget one quote uh, from an important book that he wrote about the human condition. And he said, The individual human condition is, tra- is tragic with all of its with all of its its uh with all of its meaning its essence is loneliness and the end death now that's a discouraging word wouldn't you say and i was so shocked by that statement because somehow it spoke to me in my condition and i began to realize either god exists or he doesn't either his word is true or it isn't either he has the answers or he doesn't and then I began to read uh, C.S. Lewis's testimony, Surprised by Joy. Have you read it? Have you heard about it? <laughs> Let me tell you, there's nothing that can capture your heart like the testimony of this great intellectual who came to the end of his search for the meaning of life and realized there was nothing in this world that was really worth living for. And then he became surprised by the joy of the possibility that there really was a God and that he really did have a son and there really was a plan of salvation for those who would accept it. And we all know of C.S. Lewis and his tremendous influence in bringing a perspective on Christianity so important in the 20th century in terms of understanding our faith uh, in light of the contradictory philosophies, the contradictions, uh, all of the, the, the pressure of the scientific age coming against uh, the faith of the believer. And so it was. About that time, I also uh, read something about uh, Albert Einstein and how at the end of his life, he had begun to search more deeply in terms of the origin of the universe. And he came to an interesting conclusion. After spending his whole life in scientific discovery and uh, uh, really speculating regarding what things were and how things were able to... He came to the conclusion towards the end of his life that there had to have been a force greater than all of the force of the universe that got it all started. Now, that sounds like God, right? Now, no one really thinks that uh, Albert Einstein uh, became a Christian before he died, but he came to this conclusion, and I thought, wow, if it took this great mind his whole life to come to that conclusion, and I can already know that by faith, then perhaps I should be grateful for my faith Instead of thinking that I have to answer all the questions myself, that I have to speculate. 
that I have to spend all of my time uh, searching for answers that I really won't find. Well, look at Ecclesiastes, the first chapter. And here uh, Solomon says, I, the teacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I devoted myself to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under heaven. What a heavy burden God has laid on men. I have seen all things that are done under the sun, and all of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I thought to myself, verse 16, Look, I have grown and increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I have experienced much of wisdom and knowledge, and then I applied myself to understanding of wisdom and also the madness of folly. But I learned that this too is chasing after the wind. And notice this, he says, For with much wisdom comes much sorrow, and the more knowledge, more grief. In other words, the more I know, the more I have to worry about. <laughs> Isn't that an interesting predicament? Ecclesiastes uh, ends with a glorious uh, statement about the conclusion. Would you turn with me back to chapter uh, 12? And uh, notice how this book ends. He says, now all has been heard, verse 13, chapter 12. Here's the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Mark chapter 8, verse 36 says, For what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his soul? 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, Though I can fathom all mysteries and have all knowledge, but if I don't have love, if I don't have love, then my life really means nothing. <clears throat> well, let me give you some important lessons from uh, this book that I just want to give you some highlights, and I'd encourage you to spend some time studying it yourself. Let me tell you, I really sense that we're in a time and a season dealing with a generation where we need to rediscover the wisdom of God in terms of life's disappointments. How many of you have been disappointed with your, your career goals, your education, been disappointed in relationships, been disappointed with setting goals and perhaps being unable to fulfill them or fulfilling them and realizing it really wasn't what I expected. And we realize we need a deeper understanding of God. We need to realize that God, these are, are not mysteries to God. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it a comfort to know that when we throw all of our questions up to God, He's much bigger than all of our questions. His answers are far greater than the answers we can even understand. And so let me encourage you, if you ever have questions about God or your faith or uncertainties, even you know dealing with doubts in your life, take those doubts, take those questions, take those concerns to God. Guess what? 
God isn't surprised by your questions. He's not confused by the greatest questions that you could, that you could try on Him. And so we can trust Him to come respond to His child with the kind of love that will give us more than an answer. It'll give us something uh, to live for. And so this is what we find. I want you to look at some highlights here. And as we look at Ecclesiastes, the way it unfolds, there are some major dead-end streets of life that He's calling us to avoid. That's pretty important, isn't it, to to think about what are those dead-end roads of life that if I know ahead of time, I don't have to go. How many of you know that a wise man not only learns from his own mistakes, but the mistakes of others? That's really how Proverbs contrasts the fool and the, and the wise man. The fool doesn't even learn from his own mistakes. The wise man is able to learn from his own mistakes and the mistakes of others. And so Solomon is, just, is calling us to this kind of wisdom where we, we learn from his life and his failures and learn from others. And he gives us some, uh, some major roads that we can identify and realize, hey, I'm not going to go down there because I'm not going to find what I would hope to find. As I realize that that road isn't worth the journey, I can strengthen my relationship with God and God can lead me into higher things. Well, the first thing is already mentioned, and that is that wisdom and knowledge is a dead-end street without knowing God. Do you hear what I'm saying? And, you know, I've spent some time in education, in studying, (laughs) in teaching, being involved with intellectuals, And I am very grateful for my education and my experience in that community. But ultimately, one discovers that in wisdom and knowledge, there eventually is a dead end where either there is a God or there's not a God. And if there is a God, then we need to adjust our lives to Him. And we've got to shift from trying to fit God into our intellectual framework of how, the, how we want to understand this world to realize God is greater than my greatest intellectual concept of Him. And so I need to start adjusting my life to Him rather than asking Him to fit into my little world. How many of you found that however many books you read, there's always another book? (laughs) However many classes you take, it's not enough. However wise the teacher that you sit under, you realize ultimately it's a disappointing experience. Guess what? God set it up that way. Because He never wanted us to be fulfilled with knowledge and wisdom. Second dead end road. Now this one hits home for all of us, but Solomon comes out and speaks directly to it. He says, ultimately, pleasure in this life is a dead end road. Pleasure. He's talking about all of the pleasures of life. 
all of the fulfillment we can have in enjoying the creation, all of the things that would seem to fulfill us in terms of our, our appetites, physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, that ultimately, ultimately, we are disappointed in realizing that however much I want, I will always want more. You know, it's an interesting principle here when you're dealing with pleasure. I have a Christian uh, uh, counselor friend who says, I always talk to people about the law of diminishing returns when it comes to pleasure. You know what the law of diminishing returns is? You always have to have a little more to get the same sensation. You understand what I'm saying? You've got to go a little farther. You've got to have some more. You've got to experience a little more to have the same level of pleasure. That's a dead-end street because you can never be fulfilled. The more you try to fulfill yourself through pleasure, the more you want, the more you need. It's a dead-end road that eventually leads to a, a sense of need for overwhelming gratification to stop wherever you are in that cycle and say, God, help me to adjust my needs and my wants to what you are doing in my life and to set you a priority and to exercise some discipline in my life to live a life that's pleasing to you. How many of you know that there's freedom in discipline? Freedom isn't in fulfillment of our, of our desire for pleasure. Freedom is in the discipline. The power to say no. To choose. To decide or not to decide. Not be driven by desires which would overwhelm us and control us. Number three. This one might surprise you. But here... Solomon says, I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless. Hard work and labor is eventually disappointing because I realize that all the work that I do will eventually come to nothing. All that I lay up for my descendants may be misused. Whatever I leave behind me will be scattered. What's the use of all this hard work? Now, don't quit your job. We need to work. There's a responsibility for labor, toil, but it's a dead-end street to think that we're going to be ultimately fulfilled in our work or our labor. You know, when we really study our Bibles, do you realize that the work and the labor is connected with what happened with the fall? and the curse, and the struggle in this world. And it's a delusion to think that hard work and having a satisfying career is going to fulfill our deepest need. And I, I, you know, I'm a hard worker. I have always worked hard. But I began to realize I can never work hard enough to set my life up the way I, I, I want to have it and to fulfill those deeper needs within me. There has to be something more where I realize <clears throat> that uh, it's much better to work and spend our time realizing that life is only uh, temporary. 
And whatever we try to lay up is not eternal. And so, the fourth thing that he points out, which is related to work, but another perspective on it. And this is really the the meaninglessness or the dead-end road of success. Was if I could only achieve great things, if I can only be significant or important, if I can only advance and be successful. And he refers to the youth that comes from prison to become a king. And we think how wonderful, how exciting that is. And the king is saying it's not enough. You become king and you realize it's not enough. You'll never be satisfied. And then finally, in chapter 5, verse 5, he says that there is a dead end which has to do with seeking of riches. Notice verse 10. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. Have you wanted more wealth? Have you been ambitious to have things? Most all of us struggle with these things. And here, let me share a bit of my personal testimony. I grew up in a family situation where I was part of a family business and we were very proud of that business and we were very prosperous when I was young and I had every reason to believe that I was going to grow up into the wealth of that family and the power and the influence of that family. And in seven years, I saw it all wiped out as a child. All of it was gone. I had nothing. Lost my sense of dignity lost my sense of position, didn't know who I was. And then God began to speak something into my heart that gave me a whole new foundation, gave me my life's verse. You know what it is, Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Let me tell you, I was only 14 years old when God spoke that verse into my life laid a whole new foundation where I realized I may have lost all of the things in this world that I grew up thinking were so important, but now as I put God first and put His kingdom first, whatever I gain, I'll have for eternity. Isn't that encouraging? How many of you have been disappointed by things and riches? The thing that you buy, that you have, I mean, the, the car, the dream home, whatever it is that you aspire to, it's never enough. We need to be grounded in the kingdom of God. We need to realize that God has a purpose in revealing how all these things ultimately will lead to disappointment. Well, let's go back to that last verse again. In Ecclesiastes, as we conclude. So what's the what's the the sum of all these matters? How do I need to live my life? And here, just before this, he says it's better to be an innocent youth than a foolish king. How do we see things innocently, 
with the kind of, of perspective that God restores in our heart. Fear God and keep His commandments. This is the whole duty of man. How do we live? Live for the Lord. <laughs> Isn't that exciting? Isn't that a hope that can bring you out of, out of the bankruptcy of your life in terms of the things that you're seeking that have disappointed you and the hope that comes as we realize God's had all the answers all along. All I need to do is trust in Him. God will make a way for you. You know what? <laughs> the wisdom that comes from discouragement, let me, let me say it this way. You know what? I love to talk to discouraged people. Do you know why? I've been there. I've done that. Probably worse than them many times. And the encouragement is, regardless of how discouraged you are, God is still on His throne with all of His promises, all of His gifts, all of the potential for your future. Give Him a chance to do something with your life. And if your life is broken, something that's failed, a relationship, a, a job, you lost a position, you've lost your, whatever it is, what a wonderful place to stop and to look up and to find God. I heard a testimony of a man say one time, I had fallen down so low. He says, I looked up and I saw the curb. <laughs> but then I heard God's voice and I looked up and I saw that He was coming for me. He was coming for me with new hope. You know, He's coming for all. Of us. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it sad that so many times uh, we've got to wait until we come to that place of disappointment before we call upon God. We need to, we need to walk with God in times of blessing and times of struggle, but realize we've got a message for those that have lost hope or those that don't know where to go or what to do and how encouraged we can be. <clears throat> well, we need to live for God, don't we? You know, you think about this. Well, if there really is a God, and there is, then I better be a Christian. <laughs> I better live for God the best I can by His grace. And I know that in Him, in Him, I will find my ultimate fulfillment. So, if you're discouraged today, take heart. God's got a breakthrough for you. It's right there. Lord, thank You for these encouraging words. And as we realize, oh God, even from Solomon and his disappointment, as he was so knowledgeable and so wealthy and so powerful and experienced so many things in life and realized that it meant nothing without you, help us, Lord, to look at our lives and realize that this is the key to our understanding and our hope. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand. Let's sing this song together. Let's respond as God helps us.
simple question this morning as we conclude. I'm just going to have to ask you this way. At this time in your life, this season, wherever, whatever your whatever, do you want to put God first? Above all the other priorities, all the other commitments. Yes, Lord, I want you to be first in my life. And I want to be committed to you above all my other commitments. I want to seek first your kingdom. God will help us to do that. If that's the desire, desire of your heart this morning, pray with me. Lord, help us, oh God, to see what's at stake here. Help us not to be distracted. Help us to put you first, oh God. And Lord, you want us to live for you. And Lord, you want us to be fruitful. And Lord, you want us to have a dynamic influence in our environment, oh God. And Lord, you're helping us, oh God, to realize what the kingdom is really about, oh God. Lord, forgive us for going down dead-end roads. Forgive us, oh God, for seeking things that will never fulfill us. And help us to get our priorities right again. And help us to put you first, oh God. Lord, Lord, we just repent of our sin and our distractions, oh God. And Lord, our double-mindedness. And Lord, our lack of <clears throat> seriousness about living for you. And help us, oh God, to renew our commitment to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Lord, we pray especially this morning, if there's anyone here who doesn't know you as personal Savior, Lord, help them to come forward that we can pray with them at the end of the service. And Lord, if there are other needs in the body this morning, people who want prayer, Lord, just give them the courage to, to ask for help, oh God. Ask for prayer, oh God. Thank you, Lord, for this time together. We ask you to dismiss us with your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. The altar is open if you'd like to come up and spend some time in prayer. If you'd like us to pray for you, we'll be glad to do that. But let's be encouraged that uh, God, really, God really does have the answers that we need.